Hello, and welcome to episode 35 of the Medical Device Success podcast and videocast. I am Ted Newell, your host, and I'm also the host of the MedTech Leaders community, which you can learn more about at medtechleaders.net. MedTech Leaders is a community where members help each other out with best practices, problems, solutions, successes, all with the support of a robust live event program of subject matter experts. Today's episode is titled CRM, Critical Components to a Productive Foundation. This is part of our demand generation series, and it is also the first of two episodes focused on CRM. Honestly, how well has your CRM been working for you? Has it been everything you hoped for? CRM is a critical component to demand generation. Demand generation just will not work if your CRM has not been implemented properly. To help us with this today, we have Eliza Hammer-Gage, Senior Consultant at Red Argyle. Red Argyle is a Salesforce.com consulting partner that helps companies of all sizes successfully implement CRM. Let's get together with Eliza. Eliza, thank you so much for spending time with us today. You know, we have a very important subject to talk about, which is CRM as a component of demand generation. And we're also going to throw in the terminology of sales enablement. And we'll get to that in just a second. But this is a very important subject. I'm just so happy that you're spending time with us today. I'm so glad to be here, Ted. Thank you for having me. Please, yeah. please tell us a little bit about yourself and also tell us about Red Argyle. Sure. So my name is Eliza Hammer-Gage. I'm a senior consultant uh, for Red Argyle. We are a Salesforce partner based up in Canandaigua, New York. Um, I work remotely from South Philadelphia. and um, we're a medium-sized team. We're growing. Uh, we're currently around 30 folks. And we work with organizations of all sizes on implementing Salesforce.com, uh, both from the ground up and then also deeper enhancements and customizing the platform. We work with a, with a lot of various sizes of companies, but we do have a few who are Fortune 100 and sort of household names, as well as several who are involved in um, med tech and pharmacovigilance and those sorts of things. So I'm really excited to, that Ted invited me to be part of this conversation. Oh, you're welcome. And um, so one of the reasons we're here, and I'm going to share my screen, or several of the reasons we're here, is, where is the PowerPoint? Here it is. One of the problems that we have, and I've mentioned this in past episodes, so if listeners can uh, fast forward 30 seconds if they want, but um, in the COVID era, we have a lot of demand generation challenges for med tech. And we have field forces that cannot prospect face-to-face because of AMA, CDC, and AdvaMed guidances. And this is going to continue well into 2021, despite vaccines. Um, and we have field fo- sales forces that lack the tools and proper training to prospect and sell virtually. So those are two big problems. And the reason I say it lasts well into 2021 is because doctors, clinics, and hospitals can't risk the loss of personnel or closure, even to exposure. 
So somebody's exposed, they have to quarantine. And in a two-doctor practice or a solo doctor practice, to be quarantined is a practice killer, you know, for a week or two weeks to have to be quarantined. Um, and then in a hospital, for example, for them to lose a hospitalist or them to lose um, the leader of their path lab, that, that really hurts the function of a hospital or clinic. So they're not going to be seeing us face-to-face for some time, even though vaccines are coming out. Virtual trade shows have been really disappointing as a source of leads, and in the past they have been. And webinars remain disappointing, even though there's a tool that I just introduced last week that actually can help make that get better, which is Eat Engage. But still, webinars are sort of questionable. Excuse me. And then we have in the med tech business, especially in small, medium-sized companies, we have a culture that is technology and or sales driven. So most small, medium-sized med tech companies, they are not like Johnson & Johnson or Medtronic or Bausch & Lohm, where they're hiring people from Colgate, um, Procter & Gamble, Coca-Cola to do their marketing or Hilton. I saw an optometry company, big optometry company the other day hired um, a really high level exec, exec from Hilton to manage their marketing. Small to medium sized companies just don't do this. And so we have this culture that we have to contend with. So that's one issue or our, I guess I could say that's our set of challenges. And then if you look at the demand generation spectrum, you know, we have people working from ad hoc tactics that are really not part of a larger plan focused individual tactics that are part of a plan and can be effective, especially like a well-structured email campaign, which comes next, a sustained email campaign with some programmed follow-up. And then we have entry-level marketing automation and sophisticated marketing automation. And really what I need to fit into this slide, which I will do for the future, is the concept of sales enablement and the CRM because CRM is a real foundation to this whole spectrum. And some people say demand generation feeds uh, sales enablement. And we can look at one concept of that in this next slide here, where we have marketing automation. They're using a funnel. So in a sense, this isn't really accurate. And you and I are going to talk about this. With marketing automation at the top, feeding the funnel, where we get to Uh, So marketing automation creates the awareness and the consideration for whatever you're trying to sell or offer. Sales enablement gets to the evaluation and the purchase. So it's sort of a clean um, graph. And this is uh, compliments of um, Lisa Bixel of the Bixel Medical Marketing Group who brought this to my attention. I really appreciate that. And she might attend part of this. We'll see. So that's another way to look at this because CRM is going to be down here in the sales enablement, but another way to look at it yet, and this is a really detailed slide. um, So I've gone against all the rules of PowerPoint by putting this up here, and I'm going to unshare this and share the real image. But what we see here, and let let me do that. Let me stop the share and bring in the actual image that we can look at because it's a little easier to see. So here we have the funnel with CRM on one side and marketing automation on the other side. And we have 
they're trying to say, at least the send and blue people here are trying to communicate the fact that you could have CRM alone working all the phases of the funnel, or you can have marketing automation, but really they work together. And I think that's where we're going to go today uh, as to how the marketing automation can still take the top parts of the funnel, but, and then reinforce the bottom parts of the funnel where the sales force gets more directly involved in the management of of a, a qualified prospect. Eliza, I just threw a bunch of stuff out here in several different slides, and we do want to talk about the definition of CRM to really understand what it is, because I don't think a lot of people know exactly what it is. They think they do, but I'm not sure they do. So please help us with understanding what is CRM. Sure. So CRM stands for Customer Relationship Management. And so it's really evolved quite a bit over the last 10 years or so. Um, it's really interesting. So my primary platform, as I mentioned, is salesforce.com. And Salesforce started as a CRM system. And, and frankly, their um, trading number in the New York Stock Exchange or letters is CRM. They were able to get those. Oh, wow. Fascinating to me. Um, but they are... They've really evolved into what they refer to more as like a customer experience platform. And there's a lot more that you can do now with Salesforce than what you can do with a standard CRM system. So I'm going to zoom in though a little bit and we can talk just about CRM. All right. So to focus in on CRM itself, right, there are many things that um, Salesforce can do above and beyond this. But at its core, it's about managing the marketing funnel, right? And how that funnel can feed into the sales funnel. And so the, the kind of the core concept is that even when you're selling business to business, you're still selling to people. So collecting information and tracking information about those people is really, really important. So it's an evolution from you get a business card to you know, the days of then having a black book and remembering birthdays and how many kids they have and whether or not they golf and those sorts of things to then supercharging that information with data that you collect from other systems. So for example, when you have a really nicely integrated uh, marketing automation tool plus a CRM system, then you start to get information such as are they coming to your website? How often are they coming to your website? What sorts of pages are they looking at? And really connecting that marketing data with the sales data. So that way, a salesperson can reach out with the right information at the right time. So for example, I think we've all had the experience where maybe we're looking at a hotel website or something like that. And then a day later, you notice that your whole Facebook feed your inbox, everything is little ticklers from that hotel saying, hey, are you looking to you know, book your honeymoon? Book with us, book with us, right? A lot of that is caused by marketing information. And if they're really good and you're already engaged with them in some way, you might also get a sales call saying, hey, I see that you're trying to book this big trip. You know, We'd really love to help you with that. Different industries leverage this sort of thing differently. You know, some have statistics around things such as like the, the first salesperson who calls is most often the one that wins the deal um, in very competitive environments. And so we know that med tech can be a little bit different, right? Given the compliance stuff that you discussed earlier and the testing and, and all of those sorts of things and the different competitive landscape. But it's still very interesting to see what happens 
to kind of that craft of sales generally when we put more data in their hands. When we look at CRM and when you look at some of the companies that you deal with, you gave me a couple examples the other day of how flexible CRM can be in terms of its usage. Mm-hmm. Why don't you just give me a couple of those examples? Because I think most, a lot of people look at it as a glorified contact management system and we don't want to do that, but give me just a couple of examples of how sophisticated it can be in its usage before we get into the details of like, you know, successful implementation or components. Absolutely. So Salesforce especially is an incredibly flexible platform. It's very customizable. And so that means that not only can you make a system like Salesforce work for your unique sales process and the sorts of data that you collect about the people that you're selling into, but you can also support and automate processes that have nothing to do with sales at all. For example, Salesforce also has a very strong part of their business called Service Cloud which is all about supporting customer service organizations. So for example, you buy something and they ship it to you and it's the wrong thing, right? You give them a call and you say, hey, I didn't get my order right. Often all of that is being done all on one seamless sales cloud or excuse me, Salesforce implementation, right? And so they they posted to your Instagram every day via marketing cloud, right? They warmed you up through sales cloud. You bought it from them and now they know that you bought it and that order is all in the same platform and they're supporting your customer service experience from Salesforce too. I also do some implementations where they don't touch any of the standard Salesforce um, features and functionality. For example, I have a a client who works very, um, very deeply in the pharmacovigilance space. And so we have very heavily customized the platform for them to support their processes of oversight and compliance. So they're using some of the core functionality of Salesforce, right? The platform of it being so secure and so trustworthy in the cloud, on your phone, everywhere you need it all the time, but using it for running this very core process to their organization that has nothing to do with sales at all. And I think you said they had made one of these applications HIPAA compliant? Correct. I, I have another client who works in, in um, med tech and med, med tech studies. And so they have applied the rules of HIPAA compliance to their service cloud implementation. So they are supporting patients who are going through the study process and receiving medical devices and those sorts of things and compensation like gift cards and, and what have you. Um, and all of that process is automated and supported through Salesforce also, which is very, very exciting. Um, and, okay. and, and one one thing I'll say, too, is that Salesforce is itself entering the health space. They have a version of Salesforce now called Health Cloud, which is essentially an EMR. Okay. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. So... Um, so that sort of gives us the, a picture of the scope of what CRM can do. But now we're going to bring it back down to small to medium-sized companies. And of course, Eliza, you're an expert with Salesforce, but you're also an expert in CRM overall. And so there's a variety of CRM applications that can be beneficial, not just Salesforce, but there's some other companies as well that can be beneficial to these small, medium-sized med tech companies. When I say medium I'm saying 100 million, 150 million. That's still considered medium, believe it or not, in yeah. a lot of industries. So, so let's talk about like 
if, if you're ready, unless you think we're missing something here, if we just could pick out the four or five, you know, key components to successful implementation, you know, what would they be? Sure. I think it's, I think it's the great, it's a great question. And I think it's a big one. I think that there's a few potholes that I see people hit the most often. I think one is that folks see the grand vision of what CRMs can do, right? I know that myself, I just painted a very pretty and exciting picture of all that a CRM can do for an organization, Um, but they don't give the organization the time or a path to get there. And and what I mean is they they want and they hope for everything to just happen on day one. And I think one of the biggest challenges with that is that Salesforce and any CRM is ultimately a data-driven system, right? You have to have, so, and this is sort of pothole number two, is you have to have the data ready. If right now your team is all working in Excel spreadsheets or notebooks or little black books or anything else, you have to figure out the path for getting that data into the system so that way it can start to be automated upon and, and do all these other cool things. Which brings me to my third point, or the third kind of big pothole, which is that folks don't bring their team along for the ride. And and what I mean by that is that sales management would love it if they could just snap their fingers and say, okay, everyone, we're going to use Salesforce and it's going to be great. Unfortunately, I don't think I've met any sales organizations that have a culture where management can say jump and they just do without some sort of collaboration, compensation, communication, right? There has to be a path and a plan to bring everyone along for the ride, right? As Ted, when you and I were talking about this earlier in the week, right? There's there's often in sales organizations, a lot of personalities, right? You might have somebody who's fresh and out of, and straight out of college and full of vigor and energy and totally ready, willing, and able to fire up Salesforce on their phone and hit the ground running. And you might have other people on your team who don't have a high level of technical literacy, are uncomfortable with the computer, have their list, have been working their list for years, and don't want to change. And we have to make space in an implementation for both, right? We have to figure out how we bring everybody along with us as we implement the system. And I think that the fourth big pothole that I see is that folks don't give CRM implementations enough time, right? This isn't a problem that you can just throw money at and have it magically happen. The team itself needs to dedicate time to get trained and to get up to speed, time to participate in the implementation and craft its details, right? You can't just tell me that I want Salesforce and I can give you the solution that you need. We're gonna have to spend some time together figuring out what problems are you trying to solve? What does your data look like today? Where would you like to go? Figure out your roadmap and all of these things take time and effort and investment, right? It's really, it's something that your organization has to be ready to really invest in, in order to make the best use of it. And, and I think that the other, my only other plug I'll give for Salesforce is that it is an incredibly flexible and customizable system. And so the neat thing about that too, is it allows us to iterate a little bit, right? As a partner, we're able to say, okay, day one, we're going to start small. We're just going to get all our business cards uploaded into the system, right? And then maybe day 365, we can turn on all this automation and all this other cool stuff. 
um, and, and really get the system to hum. Um, and that's a that's a really exciting day, but it often takes phases in order for everyone to sort of grow along with us. We don't we don't get a Ferrari the first day you get your driver's license. Right, right. You know, when I consult for people, that exposes me to a number of different CRM platforms. And so I've seen a number, but I would probably say that over 50% of the time, they've really been poorly implemented. So the implementation I see typically is that they have um, uploaded the customer database and some of the prospects into the CRM, and they've frequently tied that customer database to the accounting system. So you can go in, pull up a customer, you can see what their orders were, you can get some information about their order history and everything like that. Um, but that's about it. So it's you know, th that's the way I see it implemented. And when I was doing some research in preparing for our conversation, I mean, I already inherently knew that CRM is poorly adopted. But even today, the adoption rates, and when I say adopted, I don't mean that it hasn't even been put in. I'm saying a company's you know, added CRM, they've, they've invested in the platform, but it's not been adopted properly in the company. Those adoption rates are still pretty low. You know, there's been reports as low as 26%, you know, other as low as 40% properly adopted. So you just talked about a number of these big potholes that lead to this poor adoption. Have you, like in your experience, have you had to help or has Red Argyle or yourself, have you tried had to help a company sort of relaunch their adoption of CRM? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that there's a few things that really um, can kill adoption really quickly. I think one is is managing the culture and the personalities, right? If you have somebody who's your top salesperson and they say, oh, I never use that thing, I hate it. Nobody's ever gonna use it, right? right? You need to figure out how do you turn those detractors around and make them actually enthusiastic and, and, and evangelical about using the system, right? And I think the other thing that I see really often is that they feel like, because the system is originally configured this way, we have to use every field, we have to call everything what it's called already in the system and all this stuff. And I, I, I hate it when that happens. What I want folks to do is tell me about your current process. I don't care what Salesforce does. I don't care what these huge other companies that you've talked about, how they use Salesforce. I wanna know how does your organization talk about sales? Right. If you guys call it prospecting or you call it qualification or you call it warming them up or whatever you call them, that's what we should call it in the system. The language should all be very natural and very much fit the culture of your team. Because if I have to sit there in Salesforce and then open a glossary doc to tell me what all the terms mean, I'm going to hate using the system and taking the time to say, you know, nope, this is what we really call each stage you know, these are really the pieces of information that we capture and making a home for each of those things in the system can help so much. And, and lastly, I think the last thing that can really kill adoption is that they put it out there and then they stop, right? They, they just lob it over the wall 
and then there's no changes, there's no enhancements, there's no feedback loops, right? Folks could be screaming to say, I hate this thing because it never works. It's so hard. This, that, the other thing is broken and nobody's helping, right? And so doing some of those really simple things like weekly office hours, having a dedicated email address to your support team, right? Creating space and time for folks to say, you know, hey, I really like the system, but I wish it did that. It would change my whole world if I had this report or that field or whatever it is, helping give the team those little bits of things that to them make all the difference often really helps everyone feel ownership in the system. Because I think ultimately, Salesforce does something that I like to call democratizing the data, right? It's not me as the manager putting in all the data and telling you this is the information you have. I want you to go in and update it, right? If you know that your lead prospect got married and her last name changed and her phone number changed, I want you to go in and update it the moment you find that information out. Because if you win the lottery tomorrow, I want you to be able to leave and I can still maintain that relationship. We need to get some of these people out of the middle of the way between you know, all this rich information that we're gathering about our prospects and our customers and actually being able to share it with the rest of the team. Right. So one example could be like a, a simple example of a company readopting would be to say, okay, this is our sales process. And can they get the sales team to agree okay, this is our sales process. This is what we call it all the time and everything. Mm -hmm. So let's, if we don't have somebody on board, let's get somebody like it could be you, Eliza, or it could be some other consultant, but somebody to come in and let's just help reformat our CRM. So that sales process is front and center relative to clients and prospects. So that would be one thing. And at least that's a step to getting the participants to believe in the process. And then another thing that you just said, I thought was really important was um, in terms of supporting the implementation, I guess I'm just thinking you could find a champion in the sales organization and, and give that person the role of being the champion for the CRM, learning more about it, maybe assist the other people. But I also like that comment you just had, which you said office hours. So you could have like a CRM office hours one or two days a week where people know that at three o'clock on Tuesday afternoon, you know, somebody at the company that knows what they're talking about, or it could be the consultant they hired is going to be sitting there on a zoom call waiting for people to come in and say, well, I don't understand this, or can you help me with that? And so on and so forth. Um, I think that's a, that's a really good option too. Yeah. It, I've seen it work really well. And I think that the other part of it is there's the adage in my world of if it's not in Salesforce, it doesn't exist. And, and one way that there's a few ways that we can reinforce that. For example, um, Salesforce gives us some really wonderful views to see the forecast, right? To see the pipeline broken down by stage and dollar value. And I've seen teams leverage those views of the data in Salesforce um, during their weekly or monthly sales reviews. And so then when somebody says, you know, oh, but I've got this deal that's for a million dollars that's in this late stage, why isn't it up there? 
right? You can turn around and say, it's not up there because it's not in the system. I don't know that you, you're sitting on a million dollar deal. That's very exciting. Let's get it in the system so that we can all share and coach and celebrate. And, and the other part of it that I think is really useful is in that one-on-one sales manager, sales rep relationship, using the data and the information in Salesforce to help coach. Because like I mentioned at the top, Salesforce collects both active and sort of passive data, right? We can look at things like logged calls and phone numbers and email updates and how often you're creating records and those sorts of things. But it's also collecting all sorts of fun stuff like timestamps of when certain things happen and when folks are logging in. And that empowers the manager in that, in that coaching relationship to say, hey, I see you know, you're only logging in at the end of every day. That's probably pretty painful. What can we do for you to make it so, you know, you can do this more on the road? Do you need an iPad, right? Or some other such device? Or, hey, I see that, you know, half of the deals that you close lose, you're close losing in this stage, right? To your point earlier about sales enablement, what tools or coaching can I give you to help you get through this very tricky stage more successfully, right? And so if everybody sees that this, the data being collected isn't being used punitively, right? It's not like it's not in there and, and you're fired, right? But it's more an opportunity for everyone to grow and to improve their processes and sell better. Um, that's often really, really wonderful. Because uh, I think one of the biggest fears that sales teams, especially older sales teams can have when CRM is being implemented for the first time is here comes Big Brother, right? Now, now all the stuff that they were doing behind a closed office door is being logged in a system. Um, And so I think it's really important that we control that narrative quickly and make sure that everyone sees that this isn't being used to get anyone in trouble. It's really being used to, to raise all boats and help everybody sell and work better. Yeah, I agree. And um, with older reps, uh, it is it is a problem because these reps feel like running a territory is like running their own business and they've done it for years. Mm-hmm. And to give up that control, that feeling of control that also they may believe gives them a sense of power. I wouldn't say power over the company, but a, a sense of power that they have in terms of Uh, And I don't know if power is the right word. I was trying to think of another word. Job security. Well, yeah, it's it's well, it's a kind of a sense of security, maybe job security, but security overall, and that they have control over this group of customers and this group of prospects. And so they do need to be convinced. And it might be that an organization needs to segment out the the different kinds of sales reps they have. It's almost like the way you segment customers or you give customers personas. Well, here's the personas of our sales force. Mm -hmm. And knowing what these personas are, this group of Gen Xs and, you know, younger people, they're going to fly with this. Mm -hmm. It's like my daughters, they have no trouble with this kind of stuff. But okay, this other group of people that are near boomers or in between boomers and, and, you know, the others, they need some additional kind of help. What do we do? You know, what's the psychology about how we convince them? And then, uh, so that's one issue. Then I think another element like of that's really beneficial to 
CRM is you've got this dashboard. And if for people to be able to see on a dashboard where they stand, I think that can be powerful. But the dashboard has to be set up right, correct? Absolutely. Yep. It all has to be fed by the data. And, right. and so there's there's part of this too of helping. How do you encourage everybody to to keep the data clean, right, and right. enter good data. So Salesforce gives us some technical tools like duplicate management um, and, and those sorts of things, right, and lots of reporting on how often date records are being updated and those sorts of things. And then I think on the people side, right, I talked a little bit already about how if it's not in the system, it doesn't exist or how to run a sales management meeting um, out of the system. But then I think that there's some other really neat tools and tricks that we can use to encourage really good data um, one thing I saw a team do that I loved is um, they implement, excuse me, implemented Salesforce for the first time and they, they sweetened the pot a little bit. So the first rep that got a deal to go from new to closed one and had five activities logged to it within a specific period of time, I want to say it was about a month, um, got like a $200 gift card to Black and Blue or some other really nice restaurant up in Western New York. Um, and, and the team got really excited about it. You know, there was really fun and competitive culture around who is going to be the first to ring the bell and, and have um, a complete deal have been worked in the system. And then we were able to turn that around and, and you know, give them a moment to say, you know, what, what are the things that they liked about working a deal from beginning to end in the system? What are the things that they struggled with? And we were able to then make some improvements based on that first rep's experience. Um, again, reflecting to them that their feedback and that their input matters. I think that's a really good example. You're compensating for activity. And I know some companies have a real problem with that. Uh, but that's sort of like an MBO type of situation management by objective. And you don't hear that word very often or that acronym very often anymore. But still, if you want this objective achieved, you know, how are you going to compensate to encourage the achievement of it? Um, and I, th I think that's a, actually a great example. And you could actually make that broader to um, an entire organ the entire organization. So it's not just one person winning. One person could win like maybe the booby prize of something that's really special, but everybody can win along the way as they implement you know, CRM for their particular territory. I, I just think that's a really good idea. And it's also a good investment. You know, the payback will, will definitely be there. Absolutely. And it gets everybody talking about it. You know, right. I think that folks often discount the water cooler chat around tools like this. Um, I heard something recently that I really liked that when you get a new piece of technology at work, you should take it out for coffee. And what they meant was spend 15, 20 minutes just poking around, you know, no pressure to get somebody a report, no pressure to do anything specific, just spend a few minutes walking through it. And I think that that's a really nice, a nice way to get oriented. Right, right. I agree, hundred percent. One other, one other thing too, I think is important to talk about as we talk about what sort of information can also be captured passively. I think another, another thing I love about Salesforce, and another thing I don't feel like I see folks doing enough, is figuring out how do you make a CRM system really fall into the background. And and what I mean by that is if you've got road warriors who are always on their phone or their iPad. Let's put Salesforce on their phone and their iPad so that they can um, 
use it where they work, right? And, and additionally, if you've got folks who work all day, every day in Outlook, Salesforce and other CRM systems can integrate with Outlook and Gmail or whatever email system you use. So they don't actually have to work in Salesforce at all. They can work in Outlook and the information is still being captured and they're still being given really valuable insights from Salesforce. It's just all happening in the system that they're more comfortable with. The other really common integration that we do is with CTIs or or phone system integrations, basically making it so we can track inbound and outbound calls in Salesforce, which might sound a little big brothery, but there's lots of really cool add-ons to those sorts of integrations that allow for coaching. So it allows you to review, you know, call duration. Some even go down into artificially intelligent um, analysis of the content of the call and dispositions and those sorts of things. Now, that technology is most often used in customer service sorts of organizations and, you know, huge phone banks or lots of cold calling in order to try to get feedback on how those conversations are going. But I still think that there's value in trying to make a CRM that doesn't just sit on a shelf, right? right? But, but lives within the suite of the rest of the technology you use. A, a few years ago, I went to a conference down in Denver for all about sales and, and demand generation. And there was this one um, session I was in that'll always stick with me where they asked everyone to stand up and they list, started listing all these tools. And they said, for every one of these that you, now, how did they do it? When you don't have one, sit down. Okay. And so they did, you know, a phone system, a CRM system, an email, a word processing thing, uh, marketing automation. And by the end of the room, or by the end of the talk, they had listed, I think, 19 or 20 systems, and about half the room was still standing. The number of tools that these sales teams often have to juggle is immense. So what the more we can do to integrate them all and to make them into one platform, right? Now we can take some of the paperwork out of it, right? And we can make some of this amazing data collection and data and sort of empowerment happen without somebody having to sit there and type every word that goes into the system. Right. And, you know, it's that's an actually a great story because it sort of goes back to the concept of having some of these systems work together and if we want marketing automation to work, which is part of demand generation, you have to have a CRM that is basically functioning. And so if we go back to where we were a few minutes ago in this conversation, which is simply define your sales process and get agreement as to what that process is and get people participating in that use of their CRM, then if that starts functioning properly, then marketing automation can be fit in over that to feed parts of that sales process. And then the salespeople will understand it and the marketing people will understand it too. But if you don't have that and you implement marketing automation and you have it feeding a CRM that people aren't paying attention to, then you know both of those investments have, have failed and, and the company's losing out overall. Absolutely. And I, and I want to be really clear that marketing automation, a lot of people think of it as just email. And, and I think it's really important that folks see and understand that it's a lot bigger than that these yep. days. Marketing automation can be used 
um, for tracking your website and your web traffic. It can be used to interact with prospects and customers on social media. Um, there's a lot of different ways that marketing automation um, can meet customers where they are. You know, like you mentioned at the top, how webinars these days have ter- can have terrible adoption. Frankly, emails don't get open very often <laughs> either anymore either. And so I think it's important that we get creative um, and we make sure that we're delivering messages that'll hit home. I think really magical things start to happen when the sales data gets married with the website traffic data and the marketing automation tool. Then you can start to send people things that they're really going to read and really open and interact with because you know that you're talking about topics that they're thinking about. And just to give listeners and viewers an example of how powerful this can be and different it can be from your typical selling and also very helpful in this virtual world where we, we really need to connect with people virtually and we need to prospect virtually or using demand generation marketing automation because we can't just prospect by knocking on doors in med tech. But a number of weeks ago, I interviewed a young man named Jeff Howell, who's the director of growth at Alia Care in Canada. And he the purpose of that interview was to talk about how he used embedded videos. And what was really powerful was he would set up, and this would be a little bit more advanced, and we can talk about more of this next week when we talk about get into the weeds more on advanced CRM. But I'll just give a tickler is that he created, or he, with the help of his company, created a series of videos that they could send out in a sequence to a prospect. So somebody has shown interest. And what was really neat is that he, as a salesperson, could go into a prospect's file in the CRM, and he could see, did they watch that first video they received in that series of emails? Oh, they did. And the next email they got, they watched that entire uh, video. So they now he could see that there was a, an expression of interest. And what we've done now, if you can imagine the sales funnel, is that that particular prospect is now halfway down the sales funnel. They've opened up two messages and shown interest, maybe explored some other things. He has that data right there in the CRM, and it gives him the confidence now to call up that practice and say to the gatekeeper, and it's hard enough to get through a gatekeeper when you're face-to-face with them, right? (laughs) You know, when you're knocking on a door and walking in. But imagine the difficulty over the phone. So now he can call up that gatekeeper and he can say, you know, Dr. Smith has watched two of these videos that I sent him or her, and I'm just trying to follow up to find out if, if she has any questions. It's almost like a ticket in. And what's a gatekeeper supposed to say? Oh, geez, the doctor has shown interest in this, but I'm not going to connect them with this person. They will, they will most likely do the connection. So that's very, very powerful. You don't have that just by virtually prospecting and sending out things willy-nilly yourself. So, um, But that's how powerful it can be. But his explanation and his use of videos was really pretty cool. Yeah, I love that. And I think that it's it's not just about, you know, putting that content out there, but it's about seeing what you get back, right? right. And having those insights 
to, you know, be able to come to that first conversation. Like, I don't need to explain to you what this product is. I know you've already watched the two videos. Tell me what questions you have about it, right? That being able to so quickly get to that stage of the conversation is so powerful, especially in these days where everyone's time feels so limited. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we've covered a lot of ground. Is there anything that um, I forgot to ask you? Well, before I let you answer that question, next week when we talk, we're going to get into some more of these details about some of the, and even they'll still be somewhat basic tools that people can use within CRM to enhance the sales process. So today we're talking about just get the sales process in you know, get people using that. Next week, we'll talk about some of these tools that can enhance it, take some of the workload off the sales force, make their job easier and more effective. So we'll talk about that. But anything that in today's, you know, purview or scope, have have I forgot to ask you, have we forgotten to talk about? I think the only other thing I would mention is I think if someone's really considering implementing or re-implementing the CRM system, I would give them two questions to try to answer which is one, as again, what does your sales process look like? And two is what's the problem you're trying to solve, right? If you get all of your sales team all together in a room and you say, just tell me what's, what's not working right, right? Try to really listen to those things and gather those problems. And we can talk about them. How do you solve them in CRM, right? If they're saying they don't have enough time in the day or they feel like they're not getting through gatekeepers or they're struggling with managing objections, all of those things are problems that a good CRM tool paired with great content and sales enablement can really help solve. And so I think it's really, really important that the first step is really understanding what those problems are and where the team is struggling. Because if you can give them answers and if you can give them solutions, they're going to love the system from day one. I think that's excellent advice because it's almost like going out and looking for the voice of the customer from your customers. Well, in this case now, the sales team is your customer. There might even be a few marketing people that are yeah. need to be convinced as well. So you need to get the voice of the customer and then understand. And then it could be this cultural change you were talking about earlier, which is we in some of these sales-driven companies, in the past it was like, well, they need to be making you know six, eight, 10 sales calls a day. Now give them permission to make five or six and really do a good job with CRM because over time that will pay off. Absolutely. And I think it's really important that CRM systems, especially ones that are powerful and frankly a little expensive like Salesforce can be, aren't just reputation builders for your for for your company, right? Like, oh, we have Salesforce, but it's actually something really useful, right? right. And to get there it has to solve real problems and it has to align with what your business does every day. Right. Absolutely. Well, excellent. Well, thanks so much. This has been a good day and a, a really good session. I really appreciate your time and um, look forward to taking it up a notch next week. Yes, me too. Thank you so much. You bet. What is the status of your CRM? If CRM is not implemented correctly, Sales enablement and demand generation won't work. Start with the basics. If you are a sales management leader, relaunch the CRM if you must. Succeed with your sales process first and start managing your team via the dashboard. If you are a sales representative, 
be a leader, and become an expert in the CRM and help your fellow sales reps succeed. Thanks so much for spending time with us today on this podcast and videocast. If you like what you've heard, please recommend it, review it, and or subscribe. Now go win your week.